Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Samuels vs. Schlanger. I'm Leighton Samuels, I'm Leighton Schlanger, and oh boy, was that game last night just a, uh, oi, oi. I mean, a lot of, a lot of points were scored, there was... I guess you can call it offense. Oh, that's being generous. Um, well, so this episode, we are going to recap last night's game. We are also going to talk about some flex plays for you this weekend. Those guys who, you know you got your running backs, those two guys. You know you got your two wide receivers. Who are you going to put in that fifth spot for your skill position players? But first, here's Leighton Samuels with a somber note. You, you don't sound somber. I'm not good at sounding somber. That's not my job. That's your job. You're the one who bores people to death. I don't... This isn't boring. This is important. The uh, uh, COVID-19 has hit an NFL team, and that is no small deal. And first and foremost, and most importantly, my thoughts, my heart goes out to the entire Tennessee Titans franchise hoping everyone has a speedy recovery, and hoping that this does not continue to spread. Thankfully, it seems like these the, the positive tests have plateaued. Hopefully, it stays that way. But we are a fantasy football podcast. We have to talk about the fantasy repercussions of this little breakout. Outbreak. Outbreak. It's an outbreak. It's an outbreak. So to get an idea of how this has affected another major sport in America, uh, we have to look at baseball. Um, so the St. Louis Cardinals had 15 days worth of postponed games. That's just over two weeks. The Miami Marlins, towards the beginning of the season, had nine days of postponed games. The Philadelphia Phillies had eight days worth of postponed games. So we know that this thing needs to be put in check for at least a week, usually more from when it is discovered. Thankfully for the Titans, it was discovered at the very beginning of the week, so we haven't given up hope on them being back next week. Best case scenario, this is a week four bye for the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Tennessee Tennessee Titans. The only thing that is unfortunate about it is you did not plan for it. We have had week four byes pretty much every year leading up to this. Um, in fact, a couple years ago, we even had a week one by, a surprise week one by, when the Buccaneers had to evacuate because of a hurricane. This is something that fantasy managers have dealt with before. This is something that we can deal with. It sucks because it happened as a surprise, but it's honestly no different than any other year. Now, where it can really come into play is if we look at the St. Louis Cardinals and we have that kind of a situation where people continue to test positive, and we have 15 days worth of postponed games. Which, sure, that's only two weeks in the NFL world, um, not 15 games like in baseball, but two weeks is a lot in an NFL season. And then we're talking about a shift in schedule unlike anything we've seen, at least that I can remember, in the NFL. And... Again, we as fantasy managers will just have to play that by ear. Most importantly, commissioners, if you are listening to this, communication. Communicate with your league. Figure out a backup plan. Figure out if there's a situation where you need to have everyone uh, contact you each week with an emergency backup who you can slot in as their 
as their substitute if one of their players has a surprise COVID case, because this might not be just the Tennessee Titans this year. This might spread around. So biggest thing, communicate with your with your league, have a plan, and we can make it through this. We deal with hardships in fantasy football every single year. Injuries catch us by surprise. Bye weeks are always a pain. And my favorite thing about fantasy football is overcoming these obstacles. Like, a league championship doesn't mean as much when your number one overall pick, uh, just whenever you can ride him the whole way, it's super easy, you never feel threatened. Like, yeah, that's cool, and it's fun, and it's easy. But, like, when you grind, when you adapt, when you make trades that save your season, when you when you make waiver pickups that a week ahead, you know, just when you you were like, this guy's probably going to break out next. Like, those that feels better than anything else. So if you're feeling discouraged right now, if you are 0-3 or 1-2, A, we see 7-7 seven seven teams get into the playoffs all the time in fantasy football. So do not give up hope. It is a long season. Keep your nose down. Grind. Win your league. It is far from over. And if you're dealing with issues, just know that everyone else in your league is as well. We've got more to talk about than your uh, God. What was that? What was that Sean Astin movie with the football? Uh, God, what <laughs> you? I don't know either. <laughs> and this is really embarrassing for both of us because it is a very well-known. Was it Rudy? Is that is that what that was? I honestly don't know. I really don't know. Well. Um, that was a nice speech you had there, but we have uh, more football to talk about. We've got a recap of maybe the two worst teams in the league facing off on Thursday night, and then we have flex plays. Hit that drop, please. This is the drop. This is the drop. This is the drop. Samuels versus Schlager. Oh, this is going to be brutal. All right, we have a Thursday night showdown between the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets, the two most offensively challenged teams in the game. So, of course, they score 65 total points. Um, What do you make of this game? Oh, boy, was it a mess. I have never seen a more ugly offensive output that created 28 points than what the New York Jets did after, of course, the first the first opening drive that they had, which, my goodness, that run that Sam Darnold had, the 46-yard rush, was a thing of beauty. That is some Deshaun Watson, Kyler Murray type play right there. Like, beautiful. And then it was field goals and field goals and then a defensive touchdown and a failed two-point conversion. And oh my goodness, the Jets are miserable. They're miserable. And honestly, I'm even gonna I'm not even gonna start with the with the players that were playing, even though I already talked about Sam Darnold. I'm gonna talk about the player who hasn't seen the field since week one. If you have Le'Veon Bell, oh my God, I don't know. I don't know how you can be looking forward to him coming off of injured reserve when this offense is as uh, anemic. Is anemic the right word? I don't. 
for once, I don't know more about words than you do. Uh, I'm going to say anemic. This offense is anemic. And Adam Gase, I mean, the only good news is Adam Gase might not be the head coach in a couple of days. So by the time Le'Veon Bell comes off the IR, maybe they have a head coach who actually wants to use Le'Veon Bell how Le'Veon Bell wants to be used. Hopefully he's perfectly healthy from the hamstring. I would feel more confident in Le'Veon Bell if Adam Gase is no longer the head coach than if Le'Veon Bell comes back and Adam Gase is still the head coach. Now that being said, you can't trade Le'Veon Bell. Nobody wants Le'Veon Bell, so you would have to sell ridiculously low for Le'Veon Bell, and you're going to be banking on volume. So unfortunately, you have to hold on to Le'Veon Bell, but you are not happy about it. Um, talking about the running backs on the other side, though, Melvin Gordon, 23 carries, 107 yards, two touchdowns. Now, granted, one of those was a 43-yard touchdown run. Again, a thing of, of beauty where actually he does not get into that end zone if Brett Rippon doesn't lay down the block of the century. <laughs> that was not the block. That was... That was one of the most pitiful blocks I have ever seen, but boy, did it do the trick. Like, it threw off the defender. I think the defender was more thrown off by the fact that he was being blocked by Brett Rippon, not by the actual block itself. But it did open up a window for Melvin Gordon to be able to get into that end zone. Look at those. God, how many fantasy points is that? 25.8 fantasy points that is a stud performance by the Denver Broncos running back now the only issue with that is he only had three targets in the passing game and this is a a rookie quarterback who you would expect to check down the ball a little bit more he only had three targets in the passing game he only caught two of them for 11 yards with a long of 10 so like one of them was a dump off for one yard like he is not heavily involved in the passing game I think when Philip Lindsay comes back, uh, he's even less involved in the passing game. So take advantage of Melvin Gordon while you can. Honestly, maybe try to sell him. Uh, I, could, I would call him a sell-high candidate. You know what? I don't think that's a bad idea. Um, you know who also might be a sell-high candidate? Jerry Judy, who showed some flashes at the beginning of the season. Uh and he showed some flashes tonight, but he only got four targets. He had two receptions, 61 yards, but he had a touchdown in which he mossed the crap out of number 35 on the New York Jets. I don't know that guy's name, but they were targeting a defensive back. They were, tar- they were targeting him, him all night. Uh, so Jerry Judy will be unable to maintain his production of 10.1, no, 12.1 fantasy points tonight if he does not get more targets. Noah Fant goes down with an injury. They say it's minor. Hopefully, we will see him back next week. If you're looking at the New York Jets as far as pass catchers go, God, we, we, we are, Chris Herndon has been trying to be a thing for two years now, and it just will not happen. Ryan Griffin had the same number of targets with much more success than Chris Herndon as far as tight ends go. And, I mean, the you have Jamison Crowder. If you have Jamison Crowder, actually, he is the one guy on the New York Jets 
that I would say you could start every single week. Um, but that's it. Jeff Smith had the second most targets with nine, which is amazing. Chris Hogan had eight. Cool. But how are we going to predict that? Like Braxton Berrios, who I suppose he was getting his production with Jamison Crowder being out. But like Chris Hogan and Jeff Smith weren't having that production in weeks past. Like it was Braxton Berrios. So it's the uh, like like uh, like Schlanger was saying, the Jets' offense is just so bad, and the Denver Broncos' offense. Every time you think you have a weapon that like makes sense, it's just. It, it, the next week, it's it's a completely different situation. And Brett Rippon threw three interceptions. I'm sure he has actually a pretty pretty decent NFL future for him. He looked good outside of his three interceptions. So, you know, it is what it is. I'm happy for the guy. He got a win in his very first start. That is not easy to do in the NFL, but it is easy to do against the New York Jets. Um, well, you know what? We might as well do our live read now before we get into flex stuff. You want to, you know what? You should take this one. It is, it is time for you to do a live read. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll freaking do it. Have you ever had a podcast? Would you like to sell your soul and artistic integrity for like 58 cents? Try live reads. Live reads will take up valuable time that your listeners don't have, and they won't care about the product at all. It'll probably make them zone out and miss the beginning of the next segment, forcing them to either rewind and go back, or just say to heck with it and turn the whole thing off. It's a boring podcast anyway. The best part is, if you use the promo code SVS, we'll add 20% to the live read text. That's right, 20% longer, free of charge. 20% longer. Promo code SVS. Live reads. Use this time to text back your girlfriend. Very nice. Good good job there on that live read of live reads. So meta here on the Samuels vs. Schlanger podcast. So meta has not been cool since, like, community. You, you say that knowing full well that Rick and Morty is a thing that, like, literally lives in meta. Like, Dan Harmon isn't going anywhere. Like, he is the meta king and he is still very popular. Well, the the new season of Rick and Morty wasn't as good as the other stuff. That's right. I said it. And I mean it. Um, so, I mean, it's still one of the best animated shows on television, even if it wasn't as good as the other stuff. Oh, so you're agreeing with me. We're not going to talk about Rick and Morty on this fantasy football podcast. We have more football to talk about. And we have to help you, our amazing listeners, with your lineups. Let's hit these flex options. Who's your favorite flex going into this week? Well, first of all, I think you jumped the gun, and I am going to define what we mean by flex options. We have been looking at the rankings on ESPN and on Yahoo Fantasy, and we are considering anybody uh, rank 20 and below uh, to be in that flex option because that means that they are not slotted in to the RB1 or RB2 spot or wide receiver 1 or wide receiver 2 spot. So these are guys that maybe not on your team. Um, maybe you have some of these guys as a starter, which is not a bad thing. You know, that happens. You get more depth or less depth in different positions. But um, based on those rankings, these are flex 
plays. And I would like to start. You did really good on that. It's like you're you're becoming a much better podcast host than I, I'm not the host. Don't don't put that on me. You're the host. Okay. Well, you're becoming a much better podcast partner than you ever have before. I don't appreciate that, and I do not appreciate you. Let us start with my personal favorite because he very well might be a wide receiver too. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling. That's right. Alan Lazard goes down. He has a core muscle injury. He gets surgery. He is out indefinitely. Marquez Valdez Scantling already has a 24% target share from Aaron Rodgers. Alan Lazard also had a 24% target share from Aaron Rodgers. If you add those two together into one super magical uh, wide receiver, that is a 48% target share. That is, that's not how math works. It's not like you can just throw Alan Lazard's production directly into Marquez, Val- Marquez Valdez Scantling. Yeah, you're really bad with these names. I know. Um, but the point still stands that you can't just add Lazard's production to Scantling and say that's what Scantling's going to get. Okay, all right. Fair friggin' point, bro. But let us say, since we're talking about target share, let us say that Marquez Valdez... God, I did it too! <laughs> Take that. Okay, sorry. Um, Marquez Valdez Scantling. Let's say he gets 24% of that 24% target share. All right, does that sound fair? That sounds that sounds fair. Okay, that is an extra 6% on his target share. That is a 30% target share in an Aaron Rodgers run offense. I want that. Give that to me. MVS is the deep threat. He is fourth in the league, averaging 20.6 yards per reception. If you add more targets and opportunity to that, you might be looking at a wide receiver too. Aaron Rodgers can very well support Devontae Adams and MVS both as top 20 wide receivers. I I think that is actually a more accurate ass- assessment. I am leaning more towards a season-long flex play than a season-long wide receiver too, but I love what you're saying there. And if MVS is available, Go grab him. He probably won't be at this point because Alan Lazard owners will have realized that MVS is is the new guy and will have dropped Lazard and picked him up. But if he's still available today, then please, please go grab him. You will not regret it. My favorite this year, and I'm cheating. I'm cheating. You're you're cheating on on your own podcast and you're admitting it. I I am because I have to. Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker is ranked 20 in both Yahoo and ESPN. So he is actually technically the final wide receiver two, not quite in the flex. But I just love him so much, and I don't even understand why he is that far back in the rankings to where we're even considering him in the flex spot. He is second on the team in targets behind Mike Gesicki. But he wasn't even fully healthy in in week one. If he is healthy in week one, I think he easily leads the team in targets. The Seattle Seahawks have given up an average of 76 total points to wide receivers over the past three weeks. Devontae Parker is the number one wide receiver in Miami, and it's not even close. So I'm going to say, let's be anti-generous. Let us be the opposite of generous, and let's lowball this. If Devontae Parker can get a third 
of those total wide receiver points that the Seahawks have averaged giving up, that's a 25-point game. That's not ranked. That, that, if, if he has a 25-point game, he will end the week as a as maybe a top 10, uh, probably a top 10 wide receiver. So it just doesn't make sense. Well, but, but what about Mike Gesicki? This, if they're going to be throwing the ball a lot, there's no reason why Mike Gesicki shouldn't be having that big game. Yes, but the Seahawks stifled Hayden Hurst in week one. They stifled... God, whoever the heck the New England tight end is in week two. And so I guess that's not a, not a big deal. But they stifled da- uh, Dallas's Dalton Schultz in week three. Schultz was coming off of a 21-point game the week prior. The Seahawks linebackers do well at stopping tight ends, leaving Devontae Parker to be the guy this week. And well, but he still has he still has Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. So I'm a believer in the Fitz magic this week. But I mean, the guy could throw three pick sixes. So, but that doesn't matter to us. If he throws picks, then uh, they're going to be playing from behind even more and <laughs> providing even more opportunities for Devontae Parker to score points. Uh, who's next up for you? I have Marquise. Brown. And before you talk to me about, oh, Baltimore's run game is where they live, like Marquise Brown has been, you know, very mediocre over these past, uh, over these past few weeks. He's only had six targets per game. And sure, you're absolutely right that he has only had six targets per game, but that is leading the team in targets. And if you think that Lamar Jackson isn't oh, enraged by how last week went, by how the Kansas City Chiefs shut him down, oh, you better believe Lamar Jackson is going to come out throwing. And, and, and Marquise Brown, for those of you worried about him, oh, he's just a deep threat. He's just going to, 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 to be thrown the deep ball. His average depth of target is 13.5 yards. Yes, that is a little deep. But... Mark Andrews is 12.12. It's only he's only averaging about a yard more than Mark Andrews. So, he's not just a deep threat. He leads the team in targets. Lamar Jackson trusts him and he is playing angry and he is playing a Washington football team's defense. You almost said it there. I did, but I didn't. So, they are playing a Washington football team defense who is now dealing with injuries on their uh defensive line. And their their defensive backs do not scare you. I am about to make your point even better. Let's look at those Baltimore Ravens running backs and why I think you're absolutely right. They will be really going hard in the passing game. If you if you have the option, if I've got if you've got Mark Ingram or Marquise Brown, which I guess is a very specific situation, but if you have Mark if Mark Ingram and Marquise Brown, or if you have J.K. Dobbins and Marquise Brown. The Baltimore Ravens' backfield has been infuriating. Not a single one of them have been on the field for more than 47% of the offensive snaps. And the most has been J.K. Dobbins, with Mark Ingram only being on for 46. Gus Edwards has been the least. But Gus Edwards leads the running backs in yardage. He's got 129 yards, so he's not going anywhere. It is the most infuriating running back situation. So don't trust those running backs this week against the Washington football team. Trust Schlanger. 
trust Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews, but Mark Andrews isn't a flex play, and we're not talking about that. For me, I really wanted to get a a running back on this list, but it was, I gotta be honest, it was tough. I, like, just looking through these guys uh, in the ESPN rankings, you got David Montgomery at 20, who's technically still an RB2, but because uh, because I think Leonard Fournette will be out, I think Ronald Jones will jump up from 23 into the top 20, pushing David Montgomery into the flex spot. Indianapolis has been great against the run uh, this year so far. One of the one of the running backs they stopped was Dalvin Cook. I do not. I do not believe in David Montgomery. He got Miles Gaskin against Seattle. He's going to get a bunch of dump off passes, sure, but I don't think he scores. Um, and I think I think Miami gives up the run very early on in a team that's going to score a lot. You got Devin Singletary, who I want to believe in, but Zach Moss will probably he's back. He'll probably get the goal line carries. There's no guarantee that Devin Singletary will be carrying value. You got Antonio Gibson against Baltimore defense. No. You have Mark Ingram against Washington's defense. I just talked about him. You have Jarek McKinnon against Philadelphia's defense. He is not a full workhorse back, although Jarek McKinnon is the one I like most out of all those. So this leads me to James White, who I do not love per se, but in his only game so far this season before he left to take care of family things, which are... um, of utmost importance. Again, this is a, this is a very sentimental, heartfelt um, Samuels versus Schlanger episode. Well, we love everybody here, and we love you, our listeners, and we love James White, and we 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 hope that uh, he and his family can can stay strong through this extremely tough time in their lives. Um, so, James White, fantasy relevance. I, God, this is such a silly thing that we do. So, James White, in his only game so far this season, they only attempted 19 passes, and he is very much a pass-catching back. He was thrown three of them, which isn't bad, plus they gave him five carries, but they were really not focused on the passing game. But he is the most trusted and, I believe, longest-tenured member of that running back core going against the Chiefs where they will need to throw the ball a ton. And I have a feeling that everyone on that team is going to rally behind James White. Like, at this point, this isn't even a statistics call. This is a gut call for me. I think they they feature James White heavily. They get him back on track. They make him feel good. Like, I think this is a big James White game. And I hope that you are right because he is a great guy. He is a great football player. And he deserves to get back on track in a good way in the NFL. I've got one last here before we wrap up. And this is a little, it's a little deeper. Like, uh, this, you know what? I'm just going to say the guy because it's, it's, you're going to find out soon who it is anyway. So I'm going to stop stalling and tell you that it is Justin Jefferson. If you look at the ESPN rankings, he is 40. If you look at the Yahoo rankings, he is 36. Like this is this is a guy who neither of these websites believe that he is even close to a flex play. He is in their eyes more of a wide receiver 4. I am saying that they are wrong. 
I think that Justin Jefferson will be a great flex option this week. Uh, They're playing the Texans. The Texans have one bright spot amongst their defensive backs, and that's Bradley Roby. And guess what? He will probably be covering Thielen for most of the game. The Texans' defense has done nothing to scare anybody, and granted, their competition has been tough. But, like, I genuinely believe that that this will be a shootout between Minnesota and the Texans. I, I think the Texans' offense has a lot to prove, and the Minnesota defense hasn't proven themselves. So, Deshaun Watson's going to get back on track. Will Fuller, if he's healthy, gets back on track. David Johnson's getting back on track. If Will Fuller isn't there, I think Brandon Cooks and Kenny Stills and Randall Cobb all have good games. I think they're going to be good games all around. And Justin Jefferson is the, is second on the team in terms of targets behind Adam Thielen. No other wide receiver or tight end comes close. Justin Jefferson will probably be covered more by Hargreaves or by safeties lining up in the slot. So... I think Justin Jefferson is a, a an extremely high ceiling, semi high floor flex option this week against the Texans. That is all the time that we have today. Thank you for bearing with us. We had a lot to talk about. COVID and injuries and family life is not easy to talk about. Um, be kind to each other. Be good. We're in a we're in a very interesting time, and we play this game for fun. It brings us all a lot of joy. It brings us together. I get to keep in touch with people who I would normally have trouble keeping in touch with because I am in fantasy leagues with them. Let us love this game and love the challenges that it presents to us in an extremely trying time. Thank you so much. You will hear from us on Tuesday. Until then, we'll see you soon. Thank you.